Welcome to an inspiring message from Awaken City Church. For more information about us, visit awakencity.com.au. You know, we're bringing to a close today our series that we've had over the last couple of weeks on Canvas, what it means to live life as His masterpiece, a work in progress. And this series has been really close to my heart in highlighting some ideas that I feel that God wants to give us to build out our lives as we continue to journey with Him and led by His Spirit. And I wanted to finish the series of talks today on Canvas by talking about the idea that we get to work. There's two ways you could say it. You could emphasise the word, you know, get as in you, you, you have to get to work. But I'm honoured by the idea that we get to work. See, it's different when you put different emphasis on words. If you just said to somebody, get to work, like yesterday as we're trying to do a mad clean of our house, Saturdays, I don't know about you, but Saturdays have become family cleaning day. And Minor Rhiannon's daughter, all of six years old, Zoe, has been attempting to clean her room for the last seven days. <laughs> seven days because mum and dad have refused to help. Now, look, mum, mum, mum does all the washing, all the ironing. Dad does a lot of the cooking. The least that Zoe could do is clean her room. And uh, I, I think that's fair. And after heavy negotiations, uh, we lost yesterday. Her room still needs cleaning properly today. And so you could just say to her, get to work. It doesn't work like that, given a command. But the idea is in the Kingdom of God, God's not saying to us, get to work. Just do it. He's inviting us by His Spirit. And so we get to choose to respond by saying, I get to work. It's an invitation. It's an opportunity. And so as we talk about what it means to be God's masterpiece, I'm reminded out of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For the last time I'm going to say this in this series. The Apostle Paul writes, for we are God's masterpiece. I can't rush that. Do you know the way God views you is a masterpiece? The value that He places on you is real, even if you don't place it on yourself. The pride, the esteem, the value. God Himself places that on you. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. I'm going to say again in my preferred translation, I like to study from the Christian Standard Bible. It says, for we are God's workmanship. They've translated that word masterpiece to workmanship, but it's the same idea, the creation, the, the working of His desire. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Yeah, we've been created to work. I know that for some of us who may be in working situations that are unideal or are often pressure points or often cause us to dream and imagine different futures, I know that that isn't necessarily encouraging, but the idea is that God has created us with something to give. We're not simply meant to be receivers only. We're meant to receive from Him so that we give out of Him. In Matthew 10 verse 8, Jesus says to His disciples, Freely you've received, so freely give. And in giving, that's our work. 
And that's the work that we've all been invited to. And so the idea is, as we're journeying through this sort of what it means to be God's masterpiece, where He's canvas and He's working to create the ultimate work in progress, but we're created for the purpose of helping other masterpieces take shape in and through us. That we have been invited to get to work. And as we bring this series to a close, I'm mindful that for the rest of this book, the book of Ephesians and Paul, the Apostle, is writing to a church that was pioneered in extreme hardship, so much so that many Christians had to flee the city of Ephesus, that he's writing back to a church that has nailed what it means to be a church that they have stuck it out during tough times, that they have endured through extreme hardship and persecution, that they have stood the test and they've gathered and they've come out the other side. And as they've come out the other side, He's reminding them that they are in fact God's masterpiece, but they're created so that they can do the things that God has set for them to do. Just like us today, Awakened City, we have been called, set apart, mandated, created to do. We are created to do. This is not a spectator sport. This is full participation, sometimes full contact. Sometimes we have opportunities to respond in different ways, but we've been invited to do. And so as Paul unpacks this idea of getting to work and the invitation to work in the Kingdom and with the King of all Kings, He unpacks a thought in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 to 3, that I just want to break down with us as we finish this series canvas about this idea we get to work. Paul writes this, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord. I have to pause there for a minute. Paul's writing this letter to this church in Ephesus while he's locked up for his faith. It's not because he didn't pay any parking fines. It's not because he was speeding. It's not because he was using his mobile phone while he's driving along the road. He was actually locked up in jail on house arrest simply because he was telling people about Jesus. What an amazing concept that somebody could be imprisoned simply for talking about Jesus. That the culture was so extremely against the things of God that to stand out and stand up for Jesus was often at risk of your livelihood at least, at risk of your freedom, at risk of your life at times. And so the Apostle Paul, not giving up, not allowing the environment around him to cause him to be limited or held back in any way, persevered no matter what. That the idea here is for us, and no matter what circumstance or situation we find ourselves in, there is a way that God wants to work in and through it. That some of us might feel like we're prisoners to our moments, prisoners to what's around us, prisoners to our circumstances and our situations. But in that, the Spirit of God invites us to thrive still. That you are not a product of your environment, you're a product of the Spirit of God in you and working out of you. And you're invited to get to work. And so he says, therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, what a thing to boast in, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. You know, in this little portion of Scripture, I see what we're called to get to work with and in together. Paul's setting a picture, a a dream for every local church to experience. This idea of unity in the Spirit through the bond of peace. 
But to get there, He breaks down what it takes. He breaks down almost like the steps. He breaks down almost, if you will, the ingredients or the workout plan. To be able to be a church that lives in unity of the Spirit, kept together by the bond of peace. To be able to be a church that as we gather, we're empowered and lifted up. And as we scatter into our weeks, we carry that empowerment and that strength with us wherever we go. The church is simply an opportunity to receive the things from God as we meet together and then head into our weeks and minister that in whatever capacity we're called to. And He lays down the challenge. He says, I urge you. I don't know about you, but that's not a word that I often use in conversation. But the idea is to inspire and to encourage. But even more than that, what it brings in the original language is to urge means to beg to beg, I beg you. Paul is saying to us today, I beg you to live a life worthy of the calling. I beg you with everything I have. I I wanna lay down my life so that you can build off me. And as a church, we're called to do that for each other. I urge you with everything I have to live a life worthy of the calling of Christ Jesus. Now word calling is not something that you should easily miss. It means to be invited. It means to be extended an opportunity. Ultimately, in the original language, it means to be invited to the greatest feast possible. Now, sometimes we think calling or a person's calling is locked up in a role or a position. It's not. Nobody is called to a role or position. People are called into a walk with Jesus that opens up doors of opportunity. Do you know that a life lived with Jesus is like a life lived at feast with Him? Learning and experiencing what He has available. That's the calling that we're invited into. We are urged with everything we have to walk worthy of this calling. But then He breaks down some of the ingredients that go together to make a church, one that keeps the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And just in the last few minutes, I wanna submit this to you as something for us to grab and to run with. That as this has worked in and out of us, not only does it impact us as a body corporately, it impacts us individually to take what God has for us into our work environments. That we are living, breathing extenders of the Kingdom of God. That wherever you set your foot, you set your foot with the victory of Jesus Himself. That you are not called to be passive or to be held back or to be limited in any way, shape or form. You are called to extend the grace kindness and love of Jesus in every environment. And so the thoughts that are broken down, he says that in verse two, with all humility, can you say this with me? Say, be humble. One more time, be humble. There we go, we could almost wrap it. For some of you, (laughs) get that. Humility. Humility means to think of oneself less than another. It doesn't mean that you consider yourself non-valuable. It doesn't mean that you do not care for yourself. It does not mean that you do not appreciate the gifts and graces that God has given you. What it simply means is to be humble, is to think of yourself less and others more. See, somebody who practices humility is actually a champion of others. We're called to be a church of champions. People who are able to break free, extend, who don't accept limitations. But it takes champions to make champions. 
See, a champion isn't just somebody who wins at something. A champion is somebody who is a champion of others. Somebody who lifts up, who builds up. There's not empty words, there's complete belief in this idea that if I can come alongside you, if you can come alongside me and we can encourage each other in a real way, then we can actually reach everything that God has made available. And so to be humble, to get to work with humility means that we look for opportunities to champion each other. We look for opportunities, we create moments where we come alongside and recognise the gift and grace that God has in another. And instead of looking for opportunities to champion ourselves, to look for opportunities where we're praised above others, we look to give that even if we don't get it in return. That we do not live our lives dependent upon praise, but dependent on the opportunity to give even things that we wish we would receive ourselves. To be humble means that we choose to value and honour and esteem. This idea of humility, it overcomes envy, it overcomes jealousy, it overcomes selfish pride through championing those around us. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 to 5, Apostle Peter writes, As you come to Him, Jesus, a living stone rejected by people, but chosen and honoured by God, you yourselves as living stones, a spiritual house, are being built to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. We all have a part to play. And see, as we fit together, here's what the church actually becomes. It's not a room, it's not a building, it's not a time, it's not a meeting in the week. What we actually become is a living structure of God's goodness. That even as you go about your week, even as you go into your job, even as you go into divine opportunities to share God's love, in fact, what we are is being fit together as living stones, founded upon the one that was rejected so that we do not need to live rejected, Jesus Himself. And that as we choose to practise humility, a literal idea that I will give honour where honour is due, that I will esteem that I will build up, that I will champion, that I will believe in you even more than you could possibly believe in me because I receive my affirmation and strength from the fact that Jesus loves me and has called me. We're called to be humble, to be champions for the Kingdom of God and champions for each other. We need to get to work with that because I know it's countercultural. I know it's not what's expected. I know that the idea is I only put in so I can get out for myself. I mean, that's everything our economy and culture is built on, that I only put in so that I can get. That if if I'm getting something from this, it's valuable to me. That is not how the Kingdom of God works. And I understand that it is completely different to the way we've been brought up and raised. That we actually put in not to get, we put in simply to give. We put in simply to add to. We put in so that we can stand with. We are called to be humble. Get to work. We get to work by being gentle. Can you say, be gentle? Verse 2, Paul says, with all humility and gentleness. In John chapter 13, verse 34 to 35, Jesus' own word says, I give you a new command, love one another, just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. By this, Everyone will know that you are my disciples 
if you love one another. Gentleness means to put affection on. Gentleness means to value. Gentleness means not just being polite. It means to look at people around us and actually place extreme value on them. The people are more valuable than things. People are more valuable than positions. People are more valuable than anything that we could add. That the most valuable thing in our life is often the relationships that we cultivate and champion. But we actually have to put that value on. We have to practice it. We have to get to work with gentleness because we're sort of led to this idea, this idea that I'm called to live my life as a silo and separated from others. And I will not allow myself to be hurt by you because if I do, then you'll push me down. But the Kingdom of God causes us to live differently. Where we actually lean in and place value on. Where we position ourselves even at the point where we could be hurt where we could be let down, where we could be disappointed, but we choose to show up anyway because the love that Jesus has for us leads us to love others the same way. There's a reason why Paul says, I urge you to walk worthy of your calling. It's because this stuff doesn't come naturally. I urge you to walk. We have to make a choice. We have to work it. But consistency works it out. Gentleness overcomes self-focus and disengagement through valuing and esteeming those around us. It's a different way to live, but it's the best way to live. Verse 2, Paul says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience. Can you say, be patient? patient. One more time, be patient. Be Be patient with me. Some translations... Other translations of the Scriptures put that in as long-suffering. I wonder if that's a better picture of what patience actually is. Long-suffering. It comes from this idea that we choose to stand with people no matter what. That we choose through our humility to lift them up, through our gentleness, affection, with patience, I will not give up on you. I will not give up. You might give up on you. You might give up on you. I won't give up on you. I believe so firmly in the call of God that's on your life. Work worthy of the call. I believe so firmly that God has called you, that God has invited you, that Lord Jesus Himself is begging for you to take hold of the call that He's made available. And so I will not give up on the promise that's inside you, the potential that God has placed inside you, the opportunities that He wants to set up that there is more, that better days lie ahead than are behind. That long-suffering means that I can endure, you can endure for hardship and not just hold on, but thrive in the midst of it. We're called to be humble. We're called to be gentle. We're called to be patient, to be those who are resilient, who hold on, who don't give up. Breaks my heart. When I hear of people who are just giving up. So I always wonder, if you just held on, how close was your breakthrough? Patience overcomes frustration and bitterness through choosing to stand no matter what. In Hebrews 10 verse 24 to 25, it says, Let us consider one another in order to provoke. Come on, we've got to provoke each other for the right reasons. Come on, we've got to provoke each other for the right reasons. 
Provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging, urging, inspiring each other. And all the more as you see the day approaching, make every effort, Paul goes on to say, to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bonds of peace. You know, as I bring canvas to a close for us, all this work is so that we could live in unity. And I don't know what you think of that word unity. I know it's often mentioned in church life. But unity ultimately breaks down to simply meaning in agreement and on the same page. I don't know about you, but when people live in agreement with each other and on the same page with each other, the most amazing things happen. It's hilarious in my house. My youngest son, Flynn, is always the first to wake up. And so he runs and he turns on the TV because he's taught himself how now. I never taught him, he taught himself. (laughs) And the next person to get up in our household without fail is Zoe, six-year-old daughter. And she is always bitterly disappointed that Flynn has grabbed the TV remote first and he's put in what he wants to watch, which involves backflipping and explosions. That's it. It doesn't matter what the name of the show is. He doesn't care. As long as there's backflipping and explosion, he is all in. And Zoe's not into backflipping and explosions, although she can appreciate them. But she loves colours and dancing and singing and cuteness and cuddliness and I don't know what. I simply just sit there in awe of the stuff that she watches. But we have a rule. Take it in turns. Take it in turns. Be in agreement with each other. Pick something you both want to watch. And I tell you what, 10% of the time they find agreement and it is the most holy thing in our house. Because as a parent, you listen in to almost every conversation and 10% of it has actually happened this week. You listen into those two talking, the four-year-old and the six-year-old, and they negotiate with each other. And there's backflipping and explosions and there's colours and there's singing and there's dancing. And all of a sudden they decide on something to watch together. And you should feel the unity in the house. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not joking. Come on, parents, hear me out here. I'm not joking. The bonds of peace are real. The presence of agreement, of being on the same page, actually does the most amazing thing. Isn't it great to be able to come together as a people, choose to champion each other with our humility, choose to value each other with our gentleness, choose to stand with each other with our patience and choose to journey together in agreement that Jesus has called us and He's calling you to be everything that you're called to be. May we be a house built on unity. You know, as I seal the deal, as we've talked about things that inspire us throughout Canvas, and we've had amazing opportunities to hear from different people, to hear about the good news in the house. I just wanted to tell you some of the things that I've been inspired by as I have the opportunity to champion the masterpieces at work within our own congregation. I'd love to invite the worship team to come and join me. I'm inspired by the church member who dreamed of walking out to the Commonwealth Games opening ceremony as an athlete 
and did it and gave it all that he's got. Got to watch him at 1.30 Thursday morning, lift heavy things above his head. I'm inspired by the church member who kicked alcoholism. And this morning, because he took out the last event in the World CrossFit Games, was crowned second fittest man in his age range. I'm inspired by the church member I surf with from time to time who embraced Daddy Judy completely so that he could empower and allow his wife to follow a dream. I'm inspired by the church member who started a family business by knocking on doors with a chainsaw, offering to quote trimming trees and now employs a group of people. Wasn't scary at all, I'm sure. (laughs) I'm inspired by the church member who as a middle-aged man met me in the exec office around the side after a radical encounter with Jesus and allowed us to do a journey where he was transformed into the husband and the dad that he always dreamed of being. I'm inspired by the couple who lost their business in a freak accident but didn't lose their faith, who not only continued to show up but champion others as well. I'm inspired by the photographer in our congregation as a heart to serve families who are going through extreme sickness with portraits so that they can capture divine moments together. I'm inspired by those dreams. I'm inspired by the author in our church who is banging out words, not accepting a previous life of limitation and hesitation. I'm inspired by the parents who have worked through unfulfilling jobs to provide for their family, who find their value in the fact that they have the opportunity to invest and raise and don't put their needs and their desires above others. I'm inspired by the creatives who put themselves out there, even though they know there's a chance that people may not gel with it, but keep on creating anyway. I'm inspired by the people who have decided to create businesses out of nothing, where things didn't exist before, even to the point of roasting coffee in a garage. I'm inspired by the single parents who are working hard and giving all they have so that they can raise their children who sit exhausted at night when they put their children down to bed only to do the cleaning, the washing, the ironing and set things up for the next day, seeing a greater value in others than themselves. I'm inspired by the young people in our church who are choosing to pursue Jesus in the midst of outside pressures. I'm inspired by the connect leaders who are opening up their homes Investing into the lives of others and putting themselves out there. Even if our culture tells us to shut up shop, don't put yourself at risk. I'm inspired by the Connect members who rebel against that and show up anyway. I'm inspired by the team members who come and make church happen. Used to be for me that I used to get here an hour before everybody to lock up, uh, to unlock, to turn on the lights. And I'm inspired by the team that are gathered around to do all that from our sound to our worship team, to our coffee, to our kids team that's right there, out there now ministering to our kids, not as a babysitting service, but as a church service. I'm inspired by those we get to do the journey with. I'm inspired by the masterpieces at work. I'm inspired by the opportunity to champion and encourage and to build up. Inspired by the midweek volunteers who sacrifice their time to do the mundane things, even stocking up drink fridges. 
I'm inspired by everybody who has journeyed through opportunities to walk away, to give up, to shut down, to say enough is enough. And instead of just showing up, has said, I will lean in and I'll give my all. I'm inspired by the stories of the house. You inspire me. So I'd ask as we continue to journey together, can we do it with a heart to pursue what unity really is? An agreement that we have been called by Jesus to make a difference. A deep-seated commitment that we'll be humble by championing. We'll be gentle by showing affection. We'll be patient and stand with. And that we will not give up. To close, I want to share probably my life first, the verse portion of the Scripture that most resonates with me. And then I'd love to open the altar for prayer. This is my heartbeat. Hebrews 12 verse 1 to 2, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, all the examples around us, all the inspiration, all the stories, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Come on. You know what sin is? It's simply missing the mark. It's losing sight of what God has made available. It's choosing to live less than living full. The invitation to live for Jesus is a life where we lay down ourselves, but we put ourselves in position and we hit the mark and we actually make the greatest difference possible. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, it just wants to tangle you. It just wants to trip you up. It just wants to hold you back. And let us run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the Father, right hand of the throne of God. As we journey together, one thing, let's fix our eyes on Jesus and not be held back by anything. I'd love to invite you to jump to your feet. Just going to pray. We already had a prayer time. You can, if Some people said jump to your feet. You can jump if you want. You are God's masterpiece. In action, allow Him to work out. Find your value in what He's called you to be. Let me pray. Father God, I thank You that You have called us as Your people to be humble, to be gentle, to be patient, to champion each other, to put value on each other, to stand with each other. I thank You as we carry this out into our day to day. Lord God, let us be the rocks in our community. Let us be the strong towers that others can run to. Let us be the example that others can look to. Even if we don't think we're perfect, It's not about perfection, it's just about direction. Let us follow for fixing our eyes on You, the author and perfecter of our faith, who we're called to be. So I ask now in the Name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth that You would cause us both here in the room and online to be everything that we're called to be in You. Unlock it, free it and release it in Jesus' Name. If you agree, let's give an Amen and a hand to the Lord. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it has blessed you. If you would like to find out more about Awaken City Church, visit awakencity.com.au.